I just grew up here. I just saw everything change um, and become more of a Southeast Asian population um, type area. And I don't know, it's home. It's just, this is what it's become and, and I love it. This is Erica Trin. She's a second generation business owner in St. Paul, Minnesota. You'll hear more of her story soon. Erica is talking about the neighborhood she grew up in, an area of St. Paul dubbed Little Mekong. It's one of several established areas in Minnesota where groups of people have formed a connected set of services and support systems to help their communities. Collectively, they're known as ethnic enclaves. I'm Brant Williams. And I'm Jonathan Rabb. And this is Untangled Roots. Ethnic enclaves have existed in Minnesota since the first immigrants settled in the state in the 1850s. In the early days of the state, individuals from places like Germany, Ireland, Norway, and Sweden came looking for a new life. In the present day, individuals from places like Somalia, Mexico, and Laos are seeking the same thing. But building a new life requires leaving things behind, and those things are often touchstones from home. Missing those touchstones is a constant for individuals who leave their homes to start again in a different place. And ethnic enclaves have organically created a solution for that. I think of an enclave as like a a group of people of one, probably of one particular background, whether it be a class or, or gender or race or ethnic background. And that's not just... And they're in a close proximity to each other and they engage in some type of community or they're part of some type of community that is active. And um, that's what I think of as, as an enclave. And it, it may not be that. Uh, yeah. So that's one thing I think we should probably define for that's the, for listeners. Like, what do we mean by enclave? Because one of the things I'm thinking about when you're saying that is... Uh, when you're saying enclave, I'm thinking of like a central business district. Yeah. Um, so a place where commerce is happening, a place that commerce is happening between groups within that bubble and where other people are coming in and also doing commerce. By definition, an ethnic enclave is a geographic area with high ethnic concentration, characteristic cultural identity, and economic activity. The term is usually used to refer to either a residential area or a workspace with a high concentration of ethnic business. Their success and growth depends on self-sufficiency and is coupled with economic prosperity. In layman's terms, it's an area with a lot of people who share a similar culture or ethnic background, and their success depends on their community being self-sufficient and profitable. The term was created in 1980 after a publication was released by authors Alejandro Portes and Kenneth Wilson. The two men, whose work centered on the workforce in Miami, Florida, identified a third labor market. Cuban immigrants were bypassing the secondary labor market and going to work for other immigrants. This created a direct pipeline for new immigrants to find employment faster. The collection of small immigrant business were defined as the enclave economy. 
University Avenue is a very important economic engine of this area because around it historically many businesses located, but in the most recent history of St. Paul, it's the immigrant entrepreneurs. This is Bruce Corey, an economist and associate vice president for government and community relations at Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. He studied the economics of ethnic enclaves on University Avenue in St. Paul, which is the location of multiple community-based enclaves. I went and counted in a, in a six-block area of uh, University Avenue from Dale to Farrington. Um, who were the businesses there? And then I found some historical records from the 1980 that of someone who actually charted the businesses there. So I com- compared and I found like Asian-owned businesses uh, from two to practically most of the block they were owned by these businesses. Many of them started without any government assistance. They were all family-owned businesses putting their assets in it. And over time, this uh, the evolution of these businesses, now you're finding a lot of African uh, immigrant businesses coming into the area. And then with the stadium coming in, uh, bringing in other kinds of economic development opportunities, not only in that area, but around, say, Snelling. And so around these two areas, there's these little pockets of businesses. So, so Little Mekong on the University Avenue side by the Capitol and then Little Africa um, by Snelling and University, uh, where uh, clusters of these businesses are have emerged and, and we begin to tell a story about them. Well, what are the requirements for a community to be an enclave? And you were just mentioning some of the things like um, like some type of um, center for commerce. and um, But it's more than that. It's more than just a grouping of restaurants. There has to be, my sense is people have to also live in the area where that commerce is going on. Yeah. And there'd be some type of like institutions, other institutions there, like maybe... Uh, schools or churches, mosques, temples um, that also are in that area? Is that kind of, give me your your definition. What are some of the, or at least the requirements you think are necessary for there to be something to qualify as, a, as an enclave? You need to be able to have uh, the institutions that allow to keep the culture thriving. And so um, for a lot of us, that is... Um, you know, tying in with the culture, a lot of the time it's religion. So you need some sort of um, place to practice religion. Mm-hmm. Um, you need something that is providing the clothes or traditional garments or even non-traditional garments that people want, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about the Somali community, it might just be a place that sells hijabs. Or um, if you're talking about like the Mexican community, you'll go in and you'll see like certain kinds of jewelry that even like people are buying. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think that you need those things. You also need to have places where people within the community are doing commerce with each other. And then I wouldn't say that you actually have to live there. So a lot of the times you'll find like um, strips of ethnic enclaves somewhere. And people will come in from the suburbs to go shop there. Um, and so basically it's the center of where 
I don't know. It's like the, the main place where you have to go to interact with the culture. So example is like, I don't know, there are just certain things that you need. An example would be my friend. My friend's mom runs a company called Shega, and it's an Ethiopian uh, company, and they make injera. Yep. You need injera. You can't just make injera at home either. Like you, you need specific, you need teff. You have all of these things that need to be catered to. So defining an ethnic enclave isn't as simple as pinpointing a group of immigrants that migrated to a specific area. Ethnic enclaves can be represented by immigrants, refugees, and individuals that were born and raised in a particular area. NPR News spoke with a man named Arturo Cordova about the importance of having places like local restaurants within an enclave that serve as a cultural touchstone and also a pipeline to jobs, housing, and social services. Arturo explained what steps he takes to get involved in a new ethnic enclave. I'll ask the manager to give me work, or if he knows of a room I could rent. I'll have a bundle of savings with me at all times so that I can pay my rent in advance and travel a little bit. And so that's what I've always done. I've noticed that new immigrants go to restaurants. That's the only thing they do. They ask for jobs. During the summer, they don't care about sleeping in a park. Sometimes bars stay open late and they'll hide in corners until they can get a job. If they get hired at the bar, they'll work and just sleep outside when they're done. Ethnic enclaves serve the needs of their community, especially when the community includes individuals who have migrated from other countries. The ability to speak your own language, eat familiar food, and gather in familiar ways can be vital in the transition to a new country. This allows the enclave to be not only a resource to its new community member, but a safe place where they can stay connected to their cultural traditions and practices. NPR News also spoke with a woman named Laura Sanchez, who immigrated to Minnesota from Mexico. She shared how important it is to have people to connect with. To come here, you always need to have someone here. Otherwise, the world can close in on you because we're coming here without a language. And that's difficult. It's very difficult. One of the most important functions that has grown out of these enclaves is their ability to provide an alternate pathway to employment. For immigrants and refugees, there are a variety of challenges that make finding work difficult. Vameng Ta is the executive director of the Asian Economic Development Association, or ADA. The organization, based in St. Paul, works with Asian small business owners in the Twin Cities. I think most of these businesses, is, they want to be their own boss because they feel, feel that they could provide more for their family, put food on the table. Um, none of the businesses that we work with, the entrepreneurs that we work with, had dreams of becoming a, a big corporation, a multi-million-dollar you know, uh, company. It's really about you know how how do I support my family, uh, food, you know, mortgage or rent, you know, basic necessity. It's so none of the businesses we work with uh, are coming to us and say I have an idea and it's going to make me rich. It you know I think people do come to us with passion. Number one, and that drives them. You know, they they have this passion and this idea that they think could be a successful uh, business and that could um, provide a means of uh, uh, you know living for them, right? So it's really basic, actually. You know, um, it's about their passion, yes, but it's it's really about just um, providing enough uh, and being independent 
and not having to rely on a system that they might not fit in. And so many of the folks we see, I think they, they've tried to, you know, get a job and try to get ahead being, um, working for somebody else. Um, but because of, uh, other issues such as discrimination or that, you know, they're, they don't have the education or the skills to advance. Um, and they, they rather, you know, put the fate, their fate in their own hand and, uh, you know, start their own business and make their own, you know, income. So like I said, I think it's very basic. It, that doesn't mean that it's not hard. It's really hard, but it, it's not about getting rich and becoming the next, um, I don't know, entrepreneur of the year. It's also limiting to define an ethnic enclave solely by the groups that live there. These enclaves are often a thriving part of the local economy, as Bruce Corey explains. In general, that's the ex- many of them tend to be family-owned and and uh, or maybe sole proprietors, but what my observation are is that they do hire people. I'm not uh, sure where they hire them, but statistics and studies have shown in general um, these, uh, I call them African, Lana African, Latino, Asian, Native American businesses tend to hire uh, from their own communities uh, because of the the pretty cultural nature of the businesses. Uh, And so as they grow, they tend to build the economic base in which they are part of, not only by virtue of jobs, but by virtue of uh, uh, being role models, investors, sponsors of the community. Ethnic enclaves are not isolated or separate from the larger communities where they are located. They have individual hallmarks like any other neighborhood community. There are stores, churches, social services, and entertainment. The key difference is that ethnic enclaves center the culture and ethnicity of their community members by providing services and support rooted in cultural understanding. For immigrants, refugees, and even transplants from surrounding states, these enclaves serve as one of the most important transition tools they have. Ethnic enclaves make it much easier for individuals to find their place in a new city, state, or country. The enclaves often have pathways to jobs, housing, and government aid, and they can help someone find these things faster than trying to do it alone with little to no resources. Ultimately, ethnic enclaves help people get settled, and that can be the most important part of finding a new home. Thank you so much for listening. Untangled Roots is a production of NPR News and part of our North Star Journey Project. Untangled Roots would not have been possible without the work of many people, including executive producer Sarah Glover, producers Twyla Dang and Brant Williams, hosts Brant Williams and Jonathan Rabb, sound design and mixing Alex Simpson, researcher Ann Harrington, with original music by Greg Grease. You can learn more about Untangled Roots, the North Star Journey Project, and find additional resources by going to the NPR News website at nprnews.org. Untangled Roots was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.